Patrick Pitts from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Entering into round five of your fantasy football season, and maybe it started well for you, maybe it's gone a little pear-shaped here at the Coaches Panel. On this podcast, we're going to hopefully help you, no matter where your fantasy footy season is at thus far, some advice from the panel is coming your way. Joining me in the studio, I've got Jimmy. Hello, mate. How are you? Hello, MJ. Hello, listeners. And hello, Ridley. Hey, good afternoon. Evening, good night, good morning. Whatever it is you're choosing to listen to this podcast, there's plenty of stuff we want to get to. Uh, There are a ton of questions that our Patreon army have sent. If you want to join the Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash coaches panel. And a big special thank you to Louis Fryer, who's just joined as a premium Patreon member. We appreciate your support, mate. So we'll get to some of those questions a little bit later on. There's some other big things that I want to talk about getting some of your, both of you lads, uh, your key learnings from the first four rounds of AFL. Uh, but but I think maybe straight out of the gate, and maybe Rids, it's a question we'll, we'll start with you, is uh, for a number of coaches, they've maybe started 2019, whether it be Dream Team, Supercoach, or AFL Fantasy. I suppose it's relevant for, for the draft leagues as well, but there's some coaches that started their year with all the optimism in the world and then the past four weeks have delivered them underperforming scores, premiums not doing what they'd hoped, mid-prices not quite landing it, some wrong cash cow in the rookie roulette in terms of which ones to put on field, and they find themselves 20000 30000 40000 50000 maybe even further beyond. Um, good coaches can have bad starts to the year. Um, but what do you do as a fantasy football coach that, while your identity is not certainly in your overall ranking in the end of the year, but what do you do, Reeds, when you find yourself having just an absolute pear-shaped rabble of a start to the season? How do you make sure you do your best to catch up as quickly as you can? Well, sometimes you're just not going to catch up. Yeah, that's like, true. I mean, let's, let's just be honest. Like, you know, there's too much information out there these days. You know, it's not as if someone's going to sneak under the radar and no one's going to mention them. Yeah. Right? So at the end of the day, you're just going to have to cop it on the chin. Sometimes your luck's just not in. Like, let's not forget, okay, that we're playing a fantasy game about trying to guess what's going to happen in the near future, you know? So it's going to be based on luck. We're not going to be able to tell who's going to get that tag, who's not going to get that tag. Like last week, okay, like, I mean... Who would have predicted Kelly, Dangerfield, and a few others, you know, to go under 70 for the games? Yeah, we all might have thought we knew a tag was coming, but I don't think anyone predicted that Dangerfield was going sub-70, even with a tag. Yeah, correct. So, I mean, you just got to cop it and move on. But what I suggest to people, okay, is if you've copped a really raw deal over the first month or so, I mean, I haven't copped a real raw deal, but my rankings aren't as good as what they've been in previous years. Sure. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy trading again. I'm going to find different ways to trade, find different people to trade in and out, try try different things that make the game more fun. You know, and is at that the end it's... of the day, we don't want to all be bringing in Lockie Whitfield at eight hundred thousand, do we? <laughs> no, you don't. Where's the fun in that? Like, we don't want to have league matchups. You know, when we get to the point at the end of the season. And let's be honest, if you're 
focus is overall rankings and you suck in the first month, you know, your focus might go to leagues. Yeah, sure. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. You know, you get a bit of bragging rights against the old fellas and stuff and the girls, you know, that you're in leagues with. But at the end of the day, let's have a bit of fun with what we're trading. Bring in people that you like to watch. Bring in people that you would never trade if you were in the top 10. Yeah. Those rankings. Okay. So I'm suggesting crazy stuff. Okay. Don't, you don't need to stick with the plan. If you're going to bring in a Jackson McRae in after his buy, you know, so be it. You can still bring him in if you think that's going to help you with your league matchups, but try someone else. Why not? You might enjoy watching a Marcus Bontempelli playing. He's playing midfield going 110. Yeah. Bring him in, you know? Who cares? And, and there's certainly that enjoyment factor. I don't think then, Jimmy, if someone is still trying to seriously take their rankings as high as they can, whether or not they've had a great start to the year, should they then be looking to trade in guys that have been dominating, that their ownership is getting really sky high? I know Rids just mentioned Whitfield. You'd probably put guys like Voke in that same consideration, McRae, um, Lockie Neal, all these guys that are, are looming likely that the teams that are going to be successful, at least at this point in the year, most yeah. of them have them. Do you now go and trade in these guys to balance out the damage or do you start looking for some unique guys with ownership under 10% under 5% one to catch up ground but two to also do something a bit different yeah no I think Rids is spot on there I think if um as I said what's the fun in bringing in the same player that everyone else has already got um go and get someone different the other thing to that too is if you look at the numbers that Whitfield's posting up or Boke is a great example where none of us thought he was going at 120 this year that's um that's obscene um, is that going to be sustainable? Is he worth paying that price for? Um, just logically, even if you're not that far behind the pack, is he the right guy to be chasing now? Um, or do you go for someone, um, I don't know, maybe like a Heaney that everyone else has jumped off recently? Yeah. yeah. Do you go for a Dunkley whose price has dropped a bit if you think he's going to resurrect that? Or do you go completely left field for a, I don't know, Jack Martin? And, yeah. You know, have a bit of fun with it. Someone that you like watching. Um, yeah, and Riz, I'm curious. It's it's one of those weeks, isn't it, where we, we put a, a post out, you know, earlier on a Tuesday morning going, is Lockie Whitfield a must-have? And, and the universal answer, you know, in terms of high percentage was absolutely yes. Um, and, and while I understand a large portion of that argument, if I had the opportunity to make a defensive premium trade-in this week, I'd be rather looking for someone like a Rory Laird, if I didn't have him, over a Lockie Whitfield just in terms of the value that I think I'm going to get. Sometimes we yeah. just lock a must-have guy in and we never think of the other options. Yeah, but the thing that blows my mind, the case, we asked a very generic high-level type question and it had no variables. It had no meaning to the question. And people are jumping on saying, yes, is Lockie Whitfield must-have? Well, what is he must-have for what? Overall focus, league focus? Is he must-have for cash leagues? Is he must-have... You know what I mean? Like, what? which format are we talking about? Is it a keeper league or is it... Like, at the end of the day, we're answering questions that we don't even know the meanings to. Yeah, there's like, so many variables. I understand that. This is why I keep saying to people, you know, about the sheep factor. Don't fall into the sheep factor phases that go out, you know. We seem to talk about the same guys week in, week out, you know. And this is what I highlighted a couple of weeks ago. We started talking about um, Rockcliffe and Sheed. The whole conversation was around Rockcliffe and Sheed. What was it two weeks ago, three weeks ago? It was about, oh, should we trade out Heaney? Yeah. 
suddenly it's gone, oh, should we trade out Dunkley? Yeah. Suddenly it's gone, oh, Whitfield's going 130 over the first four weeks. Is he must-have? Yeah. Like, you see what I mean? Like, every conversation's the same conversation over and over again. It's repeat and rinse. Like, rinse and repeat. So, at the end of the day, though, what you've got to do is you've got to start thinking to yourself, how much damage has been done mm. by this guy, okay? Am I really, really, really just looking at a Band-Aid fix, bringing in a guy to stop the bleeding? Yeah. Or am I really going to go hard and try and pick up what I want to pick up? Like, that's either a league win or a really, really, really high, you know, ranking finish. So the best that could happen now with Whitfield owners, okay, for those that don't own him, is that he gets tagged for the next three weeks. Sure. He goes at 70, suddenly he becomes affordable, but not only becomes affordable, you're picking up on ground by going a different option. And that different option may be absolutely anyone. You know what I mean? It could be a Rory Laird. Sure. But you know what? Don't, let's not highlight guys that are already high percentagely owned like a Rory Laird. Let's go guys like a Wayne Millerer. You know, Daniel let's Rich. go guys like yeah. a Nick Newman. Let's yeah. go Daniel Rich. Let's go. Uh, Chris Salem. Oh, that's a crazy name. <laughs> yeah. You see what I mean? 100%. Tom Stewart. Tom Stewart's getting absolutely no love anywhere at this point in time. Yeah, he's a I can tell you now, he is absolutely a lock for the top five, you know, 10 defenders in the Supercoach League yeah. at this point in time. 100%. So, again, let's let's try and be preemptive. This is what we were talking about last week, me and you, MJ. We are yep. trying to say, look, instead of jumping on that horse that's already gone through the gate and bolted halfway find down the, the road, yeah. let's try and find a horse that's ready to bolt. Yeah, no, and I think that's right. And it's, let's then look at the reverse of that. We're talking about coaches in terms of some of the strategies and the mindsets that they could look heading into this round and beyond that have not had the start to the year they'd hoped. And at the end of the day, we can do all the planning, all the preparation, all the research, all the balancing and the minutiae of your side. But at the end of the day, there's a whole chunk of luck. Yes, you certainly need skill to get in the conversation of winning fantasy football leagues and rankings. But at the end of the day, you need a large chunk of luck to, to win it. So then let's look at the reverse of it. The coaches that have done the good research, had the luck also go their way. Jimmy, for coaches that have kind of come out of the gate, they've nailed Boke in their starting squad. They've nailed the Neils. They've nailed the Whitfields. They've nailed the Bontempellis, the Stewarts, the Millerers, um, the Billings, you know, is another one who's probably not got the love that he really should have deserved in the, the moments right now. What do coaches do that find themselves inside the top couple of hundred, the top thousand or two, and go, you know what? I'm in with a good chance here to get a great seasonal ranking. What's some advice for coaches that have come out of the gate and come out strongly? Um, I, I'd advise them to delete their team and give me a bit more <laughs> of a chance to catch up. <laughs> no, look, honestly, um, uh, to be honest, I think to a large degree, that same advice applies. Um, right. you know, th it is a game and it does need to be played with a bit of fun. And so, um, it, it's all well and good to try and get the same guy that everyone else is getting and having that little bit of an edge to begin with sure. is good fun. But again, if you can get ahead of the curve and pick someone that, is going quite well that no one else is paying a whole lot of attention to or someone that you can see has got a great fixture coming up and mm. why not um why not take a bit of a punt on that if it works you're, you're a lot further ahead than you would have been otherwise and yep. if not it, it is still just a game 
Rids, is there a point in the year for a coach that find themselves in, in rankings contention? Um, at the end of the day, you knew, do need something that's going to set your side apart from the rest of them um, to be able to make those ranking leaps. But is there a part in a point in time in the season for a fantasy coach where you need to start making defensive trades, realizing that a certain player could cost you a, a matchup? And, and bank? is there ever a point in time in a season for that as a coach, or is it? not always be aggressive and always look to get these options into your side that can pull you apart from the pack? Defensive trades are always worthwhile if you're in the top couple of hundred already. Right. Okay, so pretty much what that does is it locks you into that position. So don't forget, okay, guys, the ownership numbers of uh, someone who started well, let's say a Whitfield or a Boak, would be much higher amongst the top 200 than what they are you know, over the top 2,000. Sure. So what you're doing there, okay, is if you don't have a guy and you're in the top 100, you're stopping the bleeding, and then you're actually stabilising the team and you're allowing your uniques to go up against different uniques, okay? So instead of, say, um, my Christian Salem going up against um, a, someone else's Lockie Whitfield, yeah. it means by bringing in a Whitfield, okay, and making him my target, yes. that means my Whitfield nullifies their Whitfield and my Salem then goes up against whoever it might be, let's say Nick Newman or something. You yeah, know, or, or there's Zach Smith Williams or something. Yeah. Or Zach Williams. So that way then you're actually really, you're stopping the bleeding and you're changing up the unique matchup, okay, yeah. which is what you need to do. You need to actually... It's easy to get into the top couple of hundred, okay, then maintain it. What it is, is to get into that top 10, that's where the luck factor needs you, and you need to be proactive with a lot of your choices, okay? Yeah. Um, I've had a, I know a lot of people that have gone, you know, top 10, top 15, top 20 over the years, and I know that their whole strategy is like, let's stabilise it, and then we try and mix it up a little bit late to make that charge. Yeah, because what, ta- yeah, what you're talking about is coaches that it, the luck goes their way at the start, quote-unquote. They nullify any kind of opportunities that are going to destabilise them, and then they're looking for the guys that are unique in that kind of category of top 100 or two that you go, okay, these are the guys that with fixture, luck, all that kind of stuff can tip me over the edge. Spot on. Absolutely spot on. So what we're looking for is a D5 or D6 or an F5 or F6 or an M7 or M8 to make that difference. Yeah. Okay. I, unfortunately, like last year for myself, okay, I went a Jack Crisp over an Angus Brayshaw and it ended up costing me, you know, probably about 20, 20 ranking points in yeah. points for the year when I did bring in that trade. But I did that on purpose to not go with the flow. And was that, that also because you, you were a coach, and again, hypothetically in that situation for someone that finds themselves there now, albeit earlier in the year, is that because you were at a position when you were still needing to make up points rather than hold steady with a ranking? Well, when I did that, I think I was only a couple of hundred points off the leader anyway. Right. So what I was banking on, okay, was if I got the luck, and unfortunately this sounds terrible, the radio, but we know that Angus, Angus Brayshaw's had a lot of head injuries and stuff, and we know that there was concussions and he was out of the game for a long periods of time. Mm. If I if I had the luck go with me and something had happened that taken him out of the game, because the season was later in the season, the trades would then have been dried up and sure. people wouldn't have had that available 
to make the next trade sideways. Yeah, it didn't fall my way. Angus Brayshaw, luckily for him, and you know, good good luck to him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, stayed on the park and absolutely dominated. So happy days for him. I'm you know I'm cheering that you know his health is all yeah, good and everything else. I would never wish any ill luck on anyone else. But I went a different way because I just wasn't confident over the history. That's all. Yeah, no, it's fair. So that, that sometimes that fire that goes well for you. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, like. But at the end of the day, we're all trying to predict what's going to happen in the future. Things change, you know, from week to week in this game. No, oh, so, me they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you cop a bad trade, you just move on. Keep swinging, guys. Like you know, have a bit of fun with it. No, like. Exactly. Don't, don't, don't get down, don't get stroppy, you know, it's only round four. Well, I think that's something, isn't it, Jimmy, is yeah. we, we look at sides that may have come out really, really well, maybe more for the limited trades of Dream Team and Supercoach, mm-hmm. is there are coaches that are very likely have not just used four trades, but a six, seven, eight trades deep already as they kind of yeah. enter out of round five. And that may be okay because three or four of them may be correctional trades, injury impacted, you know, changing to the correct cash cow they needed to get, whatever it is. Yeah. That becomes a factor, as Rids has talked about late in this season. You, coaches may have flown out of the gate right now and you're sitting there going, oh, geez, I'm I'm a thousand points off the leader right now. But if you've only used one trade and you've nailed the right cash cows and your premiums are there and thereabouts, mm-hmm. that in Dream Team and Super Coach is a huge variable that's kind of unknown until you get towards the end of the year. Oh, absolutely. And and it, particularly this year with the way the buys are set up and the, yep. the way that uh, certain players or certain clubs are spread across those buys, having those trades available to use through that period and, yep. and then for that run home is going to be absolutely crucial, I think. So if um, I wouldn't be too worried about exactly where your ranking sits at the moment. And, and if we look at the teams that are in that upper bracket, they're... Um, now, I think Rids has made this point before. There are some rubbish teams at the top end of the, the leaderboards at the moment. Luck's but certainly gone their way. Is luck what has gone suggesting. their way is maybe a more more diplomatic way to put it. But <laughs> uh, but frankly, they're rubbish. And <laughs> and and uh, there there is every chance that that luck does turn. Or sure. That uh, if they've used a lot of trades to get to that point because they've been chasing the chasing the points, yep. so to speak. Um, yeah, you know, that could easily fall away again. So I think um, yeah, it is important to. To remember, as you said, it is only round four. Mm. Um, there's still a long, long season to go. Uh, Ritz, hey, MJ, yeah. just a quick one on that too. I, I actually encourage people, okay, if you've fallen behind a little bit over the first what, month or so, sure. use those trades. Have a bit get of a Get aggressive, swing yeah. At it, you know, absolutely get aggressive with it. Go hard, mm. you know, because you know what happens is the buys come around and if you turn suddenly to a league focus, let's say, and sure. you got lucky a couple of times in the league and you've had a few wins, what ends up happening there is you could actually just conserve the trades through the buys. Yeah. And just not worry about the league matchups for those weeks. Mm. You yeah, know? Absolutely. So at the end of the day, there's going to be a point in time for the season where you go, you know what, overall's not going to be my focus anymore. It's going to be leagues. And when it becomes leagues, that's when you conserve the trades. Mm. If you're way too far gone now, like if you believe that, then there's nothing wrong with having a few swings just to see whether your luck changes in the next month or so. Yeah. And if it doesn't, well, then you start conserving and you start planning for later on in the year. Yeah, no, that's fair enough too. Um, last one before we kind of move on and talk about some cash generation and also some of the key learnings that we've got from the first four rounds of AFL. Um, normally, and again, each format's different. Normally it's around about round six to eight 
that kind of you get a true rankings reflection in terms of you go, okay, that's where I'm really at. That's where my side's really at in contrast to the rest of the competition. Is that drifting a, a little bit further this year with things like no early buy round for a couple of sides that we can kind of stream through um, the multi-buy rounds? Or, or is that going to hold true and fast again this year that it's sort of that six to eight week round period that you go, okay, that's where my side's position in the overall perspective? Uh, yeah, yes and no. I think um, we've seen most or every year since they brought in that multi-buy period, there's huge movements of rankings across those three yeah. weeks. And so... Um, you can still be a bit off the pace going into the buys, but if you've set it up well and you've got the trades up your sleeve, um, there, there's no reason you couldn't come out the other side an awful lot better than you're sure. sitting at round six to eight, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I also think that we're not going to get a true reflection, I said this last week, until after round 13. Yeah. After so that. the middle buy round. Yeah. I just really think this buy round is going to throw a lot of... Um, curveballs and the so, reason you're suggesting that round specifically we've talked about it a few times about that's the round where the you know the the dominant rucks that people have being grundy and gorn come from that's the round where from a forward line perspective some really popular names are being the geelong stream of forward premiums we're looking at isaac heaney's probably an, another you could throw into consideration then in the back line you've got guys such as um witherden uh, Hearn, um, Crisp potentially could be a, a u- little unique that you're Lloyd. rolling through there. Then you've got Lloyd is the real big name. And then the midfield, we'll just throw, you, you know, your hat over. There's most people are going to have two, three, gosh, maybe even four premiums. So you're right. That's the round more than the other rounds, even though you'll probably have three trades to make some corrections and some upgrades and some positions over. That's the tr- the week that's going to trip coaches over in terms of not just getting 18 on field, but even the amount of premiums in that 18. And that's the point, okay? Now, let's forget AFL Fantasy for that for a start. Sure. You can sideways three premiums to three premiums that have had their buy. Yeah. Okay, so it's not as important as the limited trades because what's happened in there, okay, is you're still going to get that extra gain for those premiums. But if you've got a guy like an Oliver who might not be setting the world on fire mm-hmm. and he's doing the same through to the buys, you might be able to bring in uh, Zach Merritt, who's had his buy, you know? Now, but the difference being now is in the limited trade formats. Yeah. A lot of people are going to start with Boak, like in the top whatever, Rodeo, like um, the top 100. I reckon there's large percentage of ownerships that have Boak, Rockcliffe, Libertore, McRae, okay, just to name a few. Neil, yeah, that works, yeah. Okay, that's just to name a few at this point in time. So what happens then? Neil's actually the round 13 yeah, buy. So I'm talking about round 12. So what happens then is who are they going to be trading in? Because they've already got those round 12 guys that are dominating mm. early. Okay. Now, the other thing is with Brody Grundy and with um, Max Gorn being really the common two rucks for the year, um, you know, to start with, a lot of throwaway rucks as R3, which means people are going to have to find 18 plane players out of their, like their best 18 out of 20 positions. And that's a little bit difficult when you say a Lloyd is a must-have, 
and people have got uh, Trelaw and a Lockie Neal and, you know, and so on and so forth. And everyone's got Dangerfield. There's Tim Kelly. There's Isaac Heaney, Witherden in the back line. And then on top of that, okay, you've got guys like Constable. You've got guys like Atkins. You've got guys, you know, yeah. that are, there is a lot of pressure to find that 18 best 18. And a lot of teams are going to only be able to field 14 or 15. Yeah. And Especially that's, if they yeah. cop an injury or Which two is possible. moving forward, you know. Because the last thing you want to do is start trading guys who haven't had their buy yet before round 12. And what we do that often is. see is is sides give an opportunity for a player that is playing a little bit sore. They go, hey, that we're going to give you a two-week rest, not just the one-week rest. It happens, it's, every it, it happens almost every single year. You're right, Jimmy, where they go, they enter into round 13, you know, and it, and it is using, you know, the Oliver, who you've said as a name before, going, oh, look, Clary, he's playing a bit sore at the moment. Again, not saying he is at the moment, just the hypothetical scenario. Gosh, he's running a bit sore. We're getting into round 12. Clary, have the week off. It's going to happen at some point over those three-week multibuys. And we're going to see that harm, that hamstring strain, that one-weeker that turned into a four-weeker or the calf, yeah. the one-weeker calf that turns into six-week calf. You know, we're going to see these things. They, they happen every single year. Yep. No, no, so I'm not telling people not to pick these guys. I'm telling people to plan around them. Yep. Just be aware of what, the long-term impact of the decisions you're making are in terms of your trades. Um, appreciate, lads, both your thoughts on that. I'm keen to get um, maybe it's just a, a perception that I've got um, and that others amongst the fantasy community have, but it appears to be this year there's less cash cows that we kind of feel really confident about. Um, the guys that we were talking about a lot in the preseason. We're yet to see them, the Corbett's, the the Hind, uh, the Kavara, uh, the Hayes. Uh, yeah, Kano. These guys that we thought, yep, we'll get them, we'll get them, we'll get them, we'll get them. For what, you know, a combination of injuries and also form and bigger named players coming back into the side. They're guys we haven't seen just yet. Now, I know most years there's cash cows that come in, they drop, they play their role, and they do really, really well and, and they stick around. But it seems to be, and again, it could just be a perception, it seems to be this year more than other years. You look down the corridor of time and go, okay, which cash cows are we going to get between round five and round 12? And it feels very limited in terms of ones we go, yep, they're just biding their time or yep, they're going to get away in. So it feels like the ability to do the one up, one down trade to be able to get to the premiums and cash out these cash cows because we got a huge amount of them to start the year, probably more than we needed, to be honest. What do we need to start doing to look at, is there creative ways that we need to start looking at trading to make money? Or do we just wait and know that a cash cow will come our way eventually? Look, there's... Do you want me first? I don't don't (laughs) mind. (laughs) There's a little bit of an awkward silence there. That's That's okay. You go, I go, who goes? Um, Look, uh, there's... There, there, there will be rookies coming sure. sooner or later. I'm, I'm sure there will be. But, um, but, but you're right. It does seem like, and, and it seems harder to make cash. And I think part of the reason for that is that with the prices or, or the magic number being higher and the, sure. and the premium prices being higher, what that also means on the flip side of that is a low score to a rookie halts their cash generation in a big way as mm-hmm. well. Um, which means that they're, they're not always climbing as fast as we'd like, uh, unless they're Sam Walsh and um, sure. or Constable or one of those bigger names that. Have have done quite well out of so the someone case. like a Parker and a Clark have come off thirty odd scores across exactly the formats right. 
they almost need another kind of out of the box 80 which they've done before sure they have yep. to kind of kick start it again otherwise their cash is stunted that's it and and so we're, we're looking at these rookies who might be capping out you know we bought them at the the low hundreds mm. and they might cap out in the mid twos instead of getting to that mid threes or, or nudging four like yeah. we might have hoped they could so it, and that means then if we're looking at potentially two downgrades to be able to get that upgrade later on we are going to have to look a bit out of the box to to find other ways to get that cash mm. And that, and that's exactly right. Like, so, and then on top of that, you're seeing guys, okay, that are now looking like they need a rest. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, Jordan Clark's probably the most um, obvious candidate, okay? Mm-hmm. When you're looking at Jordan Clark at the moment, he looks a bit sore. Yeah. Like, yep. he's that crash, he crashes in, he bangs in, he goes full, you know, 100% every contest. He's going to get sore. Like, and, but it's not just going to be a week rest, is it? It's going to be like a couple of weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and he's going to come back through the VFL, you know, and so on and so forth. So suddenly we've got these guys, okay, that haven't actually generated any cash. And what's happened now is they're going to fall off the cliff and we're not going to see them for a few, you know, whether it's a month or a couple of weeks or whatever else. So we're very lucky last week that Marty Hall came in. Yeah, but, I mean, a lot of people have already sideways traded him to a guy like Burgess, who is a 20, 30-point guy. Yeah. Like, mm. you know, there's no other way of saying it. Like, and we've also seen very, 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 like, um, high-ownership guys like Gibbons and Atkins and stuff playing terrible roles. For like fantasy, playing yeah. Like, forward. Yeah. Like, Bolters playing up key position, pinch hitting in the ruck against two hundred and fifteen centimetre monsters. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, and he's only one hundred and ninety six centimetres or something. Like, you know, these sort of guys that were very high ownership, really, yeah, they're just not living up to expectations. Um, there's always an exception to the rule. Sure. Sam Walsh. I was, I've been way off the mark with Sam Walsh in the preseason, but again, this is trying to preempt what's going on. We've only been predicting what was happening in the past, you know? And you can see exactly what I'm saying. Like, one low score for a rookie who was bottom price stunts their growth. Imagine yeah. if a Sam Walsh got a 40. Well, we've seen that now with, like, a Zach Butters, for example, this week. Like, he he's not going anywhere. Like, he's going to, even if he gets a 70 or an 80 this week, he's barely going to make you any cash from here on in unless he goes full rosy and goes 120 on us. But you're right. We're getting to that point now with those cash cows. So I don't know. Maybe it's a super coach question. I want to throw it out as a scenario and get some reflections on it. Because I look at what like a Shane Mumford's done over the past couple of weeks in super coach. Um, you know, coming off and I think he's averaging like 101 off his, his two games on the bubble for us this week. Now, for coaches that have a Goldstein or a Sam Jacobs may still be sitting there or a Lyset or a, something like that, it, it probably feels like in Supercoach more than the other formats, but it's I suppose it's got some relevancy everywhere. You could go, well, that's an easy trade. But if you're locked in rids to a Grundy and a Gorn, again, trying to look at cash generation, would there be some merit in going as a Gorn owner, I can cash down to Mumford, make half the price... It, off him because he's half price at three hundred and twenty thousand, and and I don't know like take a Jordan Clark up to a Lloyd to a Laird to a Whitfield to a Sicily to a whoever is that how we could potentially look at creative ways or is that just 
quote, wasting a trade on a set-and-forget premium? Well, a lot of people, okay, who are set in their ways will tell you that's wasting the trade. Right. I disagree with them, okay? I think it's getting adventurous. I think it's being aggressive with your trading. It's taking uh, Ruckman that's represented as value, who's been there and done it in the past, especially in that format, mm. like a Shane Mumford. I just think it's an aggressive trade, and it makes a hell of a lot of sense to me. Like, if Shane Mumford was available in round one, he'd almost be the you know, the top three most owned rucks yeah. mm. in all of the format. Yeah. But he wasn't. But he's on the bubble now. He's got a great buy. He's round 14 buy. Okay. GWS have got a reasonably friendly draw coming up over the next month or two. Mm. Yes, he has his brain farts, which is going to be <laughs> one of the risks that you take. Yeah. Right. He's going to body slam someone or he's going to hit someone in the head or he's going to be clumsy and do something. That's what the risk you take. But, I mean, it's the same risk we're taking by paying 800000 for a Lockie Whitfield to pull a hamstring. Like, people don't seem to understand that there's risk and there's risk. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, at the end of the day, though, I mean, why not do that? We're playing a game. Like... We want to generate cash and we want to strengthen other areas. Now, if you're taking a Gorn in Supercoach, 120 average at best, okay, 125 sure. maybe, you know, down to a Mumford who, and we predict over the next four weeks is going to go 90, that's a 30-point drop-off, okay? Well, let's look at the GWS. Before you go anymore, let's look at that GWS fixture. This week they come up against Fremantle. The following week it's up against Sydney. Um, in round seven it's up against St Kilda. Round eight it's up against Hawthorne. And then in round nine they come up against Carlton. So... There's really favourable. There's a 90-point average sitting there. At worst. Hmm. Come on, let's be like, honest. Really, for Supercoach, absolutely. For Supercoach, 90 points is screaming at me, okay, for that. So 30-point drop-off. And if that allows you to get a Matthew Parker to an Isaac Heaney, which picks you up what? So let's say Parker's averaging like 40 or 50 over the next couple of months. Even like if you're generous and say a 60, and that's being overly generous, but even if you're Heaney, generous with that. Heaney might get you 100. Sure. Okay, that's still 40 points. Yep. You're still, you know, 20, 25, 15, whatever points better off for that trade. Yeah, and that's being generous to park. <laughs> well, I mean, that's been generous both ways. Yeah, you know, yeah. Born, born at 120, 125 whilst he's capable I don't think he goes that with Bruce and the team. Mm. And I think because they won last week with the two rucks in the team, that's going to be there for the next few weeks at the very least. Mm. So there's a little bit more variables to be thrown around the place, you know. Um, if it was just a pure decision between Gorn versus Mumford, yeah, by all means. But you've also got an extra game to factor in with Mumford over that up to the buys yeah. if you want to go back to Gorn. So... Again, get creative. Have a bit of fun with it. Like, why is it going to be stressful? Like, I don't understand people saying, oh, my God, I could never do that. How stressful. Oh, don't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. Of course you can. Just do it. Of course you can. You, you... Mate, I've been doing this for years. You know what I mean? Like, this is how I, this is how I play. This is, people call me stupid or whatever else, and names arrogant, whatever. No, I'm not. I just play differently to other people because I want to have a bit of fun with it. Like, 
I'm not telling people it's the right way to do it. Sure. I'm just saying it's the right way for me. And I think that's the point, isn't it, Jimmy? Is at the end of the day, you want to find trading patterns, ways of identifying upgrade targets. For some people, they just go, I know that I'm probably, quote, overpaying for a Whitfield right now, or I, I'm just stopping the bleeding by getting um, a Travis Boak in or whatever it is, but I feel better about it that way. Yeah. Well, fine. That's fine as long as that's the logic and that's your reasoning. And if that's what makes you feel comfortable and how you want to play the game, fine. That's yeah. totally okay. Oh, absolutely it is. But I think um, if you're getting to the point where you're stressing about your team and, and it's not fun not having those sort of players, so yeah. it, there's something a little bit uh, off kilter there. That's, that's not the way the you. game's supposed to be. Yeah, no, I think... And, MJ, I've, I mean, I've always been focused, okay, on overall radio, as you know. Mm. I've always been focused on it. I love, like, I've I've done well over the years, okay, in some of those years, you know. I've done very well, pitched in the top, whatever. But at the end of the day, I've still played the game the way I want to play. Correct. You know what I mean? Like, I still play in the way that I want to play, not the way that other people are telling me to play. Yeah, that's key. Yep. I, I've traded... Dane Swan in his 135 average year. I've traded Rockcliffe multiple times. I think it was one year. Do you remember about a decade ago, there was one year I traded Ablett three times for the year? <laughs> yeah, Mate, I play the way I play. Yeah, That's just, just have, how I do it. Go for you know? it. Yep. Oh, there's no right or wrong. I don't, like, we can, we're only here talking about football. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're talking about fantasy football and we're just sharing our opinion. Now, if I play a certain way, of course my opinion's going to be focused on the way I play. Yeah. Like, hmm. And, like, I mean, that's just the way it is. Like, like, I mean, you don't have to agree with me. I'm not right always. I'm, I'm you know, I've got a very poor strike rate this year, <laughs> you know, but it happens. Like, I don't care. I'm still going to share my opinion. Part of the game, mate. It's part of the game. That, that's for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. So, so I'm curious then, we, we, we've talked about uh, the year, we want to get to some of the Patreon questions in just a moment, but uh, like, there's been really one big observation that I've kind of noticed this year, and there's plenty, but, but something that's um, really key for me this year is I don't want my captain or even a vice captain playing against GWS. I, I, like I, Matt DeBoer is, is, is like what Ben Jacobs used to be, is what Ryan Crowley used to be where he would destroy our premiums. But what I've noticed more with DeBoer, in contrast to those other two, where they just stay on a player, lock them down and hold them down and grind them into the ground for the year, is um, Leon Cameron and Matt DeBoer, they're happy to move off a player after a period of time and lock them in. We saw him you know, do a great job on Tim Kelly in the first half this week and then go, hang on, Danger's getting off the leash here. We need to go and stop this. And he does, and he prevents Danger. So, like, I don't want my vice-captain or captaincy option playing GWS because even if they dodge the first half tag, I know DeBoer's every chance to swing on over and shut them down. So if I'm in that five owner this week, he may not even play, depending on some media reports you check out. Mm. I'd be really nervous about his going this week because if he's playing, guess where DeBoer's going? But then if he doesn't play, I'd be a nervous Walters owner or a nervous Monday owner because... Matty DeVore is just destroying our premiums at the moment and he's happy to move off them to another one in the middle of a game, which makes me a little bit nervous. What about for you, though, Jimmy? Is there something you've kind of noticed already this year, a player that's come out of the blue, a trend you've yeah. noticed, some observations this year so far? 
Yeah, sure. One thing I've noticed, um, and we hinted on it earlier, um, well, more than a hint, Rids went on a fair rant on it, um, where we tend to focus on one player in a discussion rather mm-hmm. than throwing up perhaps a few other options. And, um, and and we were just guilty of doing that to a degree with Mumford just now. Sure. Um, there's another guy in the rucks um, who's looming as a very good cash cow option potentially this week in, in Riley O'Brien. Who, mm. um, whether, uh, I think Jacobs has been confirmed that he's not playing this week. Definitely um, this week and, and, and unlikely the week following. Too. Exactly. So we're likely to get at least two price jumps out of him, if not potentially a couple more. Um, and I think he's priced uh, a fair bit below Mumford again. Yeah, about 150,000 cheaper. He's likely yeah. to score a little less than Mumford sure. across the formats as well. But again, if you can use that cash effectively elsewhere, um, he might be a valid option too. So and that's, just on that, yep. just on that as well, Jimmy. Like, mm. not often a player misses a month of football and comes straight back in with no training. So yeah. often they need to do like a week or two training yeah. before they come back. So we could be, you know, a month without source here yeah exactly right and uh, and he's not the youngest uh, player going around no, source anymore not. either so they may ease him back in and if o'brien proves himself as a, a more than capable option yeah. in that time um it may be fairly difficult for them to unseat him if the the crows can turn things around so, yeah absolutely yeah, i think um he needs to be talked about as well just um and and again as we we said before when looking at those options mm. of who to trade in or who to trade out not just to look at the the most the obvious ones, name, or the yeah. popular one, or the one that everyone's talking about, but to look a little further as well. Yeah, I and like just that. on that as well. Let's like whilst we're talking about Ruck, hmm. Jared Witts, he's Holy having an moly. incredible dream team and AFL fantasy season at this point in time, and he's matching a Gorn every step of the way. Yeah, he is. So I mean, that's another guy. Like I mean. I know people are quick to jump on and say the two big rucks are absolutely dominating and they're the right way to go. Yep. At this point in time, I actually think if you started a Jared Witt over a Max Gord, you're um, you're sitting there pretty at the moment. Yeah, no, I, I certainly think so. What about for you, Ridge? Is there something else that you've maybe not learnt but something you've observed uh, amongst the fantasy footy community over the past four rounds that's worth highlighting? Uh, I just think that... Um, the thing that I've really highlighted a couple of times now is that the three big defenders seem to be still the three big defenders. Yeah. So, and it looks like the the guys that we thought were going to be there or thereabouts over the course, you know, across the positions are looking that way. Yeah. Like, so the thing that I want to do though is teams that haven't won games of football, okay, make changes. Yes, they do. Teams that have games of football don't make changes yeah so let's look at it okay so this may be why we're not getting many rookies at this point in time because teams like St Kilda are actually having a bit of a winning start to the season yeah so guys like Nick Hind and stuff won't be brought in and they won't be rotating a winning team if that makes Mm. sense yep whereas a Melbourne who started the year with three losses okay Mm. suddenly bring in a Pruce to play that extra ruck role. Like, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, and they so, win. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's really important moving forward, like, as we're looking at the draws, okay, and going, well, if we think a team's going to have a bad draw win loss ratio, this has really been highlighted this year that teams that lose are making changes quite frequently. And we saw that with Richmond on the weekend, okay? Yeah. They had mm. seven changes or something. Yeah, lost the week before. Yeah, and they've gone from 
losing like hundreds of games of experience with those changes mm. to winning the game of football. Yeah. You know? So we're just really seeing that a lot of teams are playing, you know, are playing around with their teams and their numbers and their players and their personnel, and they're relying on the team process like, mm. rather than actual individual players at the moment. So it's just an interesting trend at the moment just to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. Anything else, Jimmy, on that? Some highlights, some reflections, some learnings um, from, from the opening four rounds that's worth touching on before we get to some Patreon questions? Um, no, none, none specifically. I think as much as anything, um, it, it's just important to keep the game fun. Yeah, nice. That's, that's really the, the key thing here. And you know, that's all very nice and wholesome and not my usual sort of backhander at this time of the podcast. But um, <laughs> it's, it, it is an important thing, I think. Yeah, okay. It's fair enough too. The only other thing I'd add, and I don't know if Rids, if you've got something, is, um, is let the data that you're observing talk to you more so than the player's name be the key deciding point. A, a player's name we've mentioned is in just just using AFL fantasy. Super coach relevant, he's dream team relevant, but just using his AFL fantasy and dream team numbers for a sec. A defender that's got um, scores of 102, 115, 104, and 97, you'd think everyone would be talking about him going, man, that guy's flying out of the gate. Yeah, it's no Whitfield, it's no Lloyd, but holy crap, that's a guy we've got to talk about it. And yet his ownership is under 6% in Dream Team and Fantasy, and that's Tom Stewart. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's just not the sexy name. I know, Rids, you've talked about him in the podcast, but let the actual information and the data and the scores be the thing that drives you, not the player's fantasy kind of name yeah, in the community. It's, yeah. it's just to add on to that, okay, this has always been the case. Watch the games of football. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if you're owning a Heaney or a Dunkley or whatever else, and you're, they're not going as well as what you expect, watch a game of football with them, okay, and see whether they're around the ball, what's going on there. Because if they're still around the ball, like, it's just sometimes you just have those runs where you just don't find it yeah. much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. You know, and we saw that with Zach Merritt a couple of weeks ago. You yeah, know, he had a terrible example. first game or whatever else, but then that second or third game, he was everywhere. He was around the ball and everything else. Yeah, and he's turned his season around to a degree. Like, so, and it's very easy with the Heaney. Yeah, like we've seen that Heaney, the past fortnight. Yeah, Heaney was going into the midfield. He just wasn't running games out because he had that ankle injury a little bit. Suddenly, he's gone bang bang. Yep, no. You know? exactly. It changes very, very quickly. Very Dunkley's quickly. only a 130-point game away from averaging mid-80. Yeah, it's true. It's so, true. I mean, it changes very, very quickly. Yeah, it certainly can. Absolutely. And the other thing, um, oh, I will mention another thing yeah. just quickly, um, where you're talking about looking at the data and not at the name, is yeah. that um, just in, in Supercoach, um, I know we've spoken that format a lot this podcast, but... Um, there is a guy there at the moment who is priced at 340-odd K, mm. who's averaging about 97 Ooh. over the, the four weeks so far. He's got a break-even of minus 35 I'm on interested. the back of that. Um, a lot of people will already own him, but if you don't, it's not necessarily too late to get a Sam Walsh. Ooh. He's still there. He's still got money to make. But you look at his name and go, oh, no, I missed him. It's too late. I've, yeah, the ship sailed. There's still a lot to make on that. Yep. Um, yeah, or, or there's a in in the Ford line. There's one at three eighty k who's um who's averaging a solid eighty this week. But after a, a monster score last week, he's got a minus twenty four break even in Supercoach. In yeah. Supercoach, yeah. Um, in Tipper there. So yeah, well, there's yeah. still I think reasons to look at the data more so than the name. Um, you know, because there are still those opportunities there to to make some cash. 
from those players. Yeah, no, fair enough too. Fair enough too. Uh, let's jump into some of the questions that have come from the Patreons. If you want to join our Patreon and support the coaches panel, get some exclusive content uh, and access to the panel and a whole heap of other goodies, you can uh, sign up at patreon.com forward slash coaches panel. Uh, we'll throw the questions in. It's an AFL fantasy question uh, from Sarah. We'll throw it over to you, Jimmy, to kick it off uh, an AFL fantasy question. Uh, they're wanting to trade out Setterfield and a Clark or a Williams mm-hmm. uh, for Billings and a whore or a Laird and a whore option. Which of those forward ins do you like at the moment? Do you like the bringing in... I know it's hard to know without the rest of the side. Yeah. Do you like the uniqueness of, of what Billings has done to start the year? Because mm-hmm. I think they're obviously getting rid of Satterfield because he's done for two weeks. Yep. Understand that in AFL Fantasy. Billings or Laird? Again, it depends, I guess, in terms of which rookie's going off the ground and stuff like that. I was like going to say team balance is probably the key thing there. But um, I do like the, the run that Adelaide have got coming up. Sure. I like that everyone's focused on Whitfield instead, which makes Lloyd a, a little more interesting for me. But, yep. um but Billings is that little bit more unique again. So it, um, I think ultimately team balance is the So the for you, the cor- one. rather yeah. than making it about lead or, or Billings, you're saying yeah. make it about which is the rookie that's getting off the ground Correct. and where you're going to get that greater scoring balance overall. That, that's it. And, it. and the other thing, though, especially in AFL Fantasy, is that we're only a, another couple of weeks off some more additional dual position players. Yeah, at the end um, of this round. Yep. And so what we've got to consider there as well then is as good as Billings has been to begin with... Um, is he still going to be in the top 10 forwards for that particular format? Once, once uh, they go Ebert, and add in... Kerno, Ablett, you'd assume Correct. they'll go in. Exactly right. Exactly right. So on that basis, um, lead might be the one. But again, sure. team balance, I think, is the thing to look at more than anything else. Uh, I understand what you're saying. A uh, question for you, Rids. Uh, it's in Supercoach. Mix Demons wants to know, should I bring in one of the two rookie, rookies on the bubble, Ruckman, and assume I... Uh, and uh, should which, you know, one of Clark or O'Brien... There is always someone to use for the loophole, so ignore that as a reason not to. I guess Mick's question is very much around, do I get one of these cash cow rucks, being the Clark and O'Brien? Do I, you know, one of the options it could be is to trade a, a Noah Bolter out of your side at this point in time. Maybe a Whitfield might be a bit too early in Supercoach, even though he's got the two-week suspension now, and create not just that link opening up, but also get some cash generation through there. Is that an option, Mick's suggesting? Geez, yeah, I reckon you've said Whitfield too many times and you've yeah. actually it's called Setterfield Whitfield. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. too many bloody Whitfields. So for anyone that picked up on that, um, it's actually Setterfield that's got two weeks, not Whitfield. Oh, I just Although, wanted to get people to train him out. Whitfield, I wouldn't mind if Whitfield does get two weeks. <laughs> that's it. Yes. Do, we, do we start spreading false rumors some here no, now? Some non-owners uh... <laughs> on the podcast, I smell. Ah, uh, look, just go with it. Like, just back your gut, have a bit of fun with it. Like, yeah. I don't know the answer to Fra- that. Phrasing like, the I'm... question another way, Rids, when's a good time to shoot a dead cow? If he's not performing, do you cut him or do you just leave him there? Well, I always think, okay, like, I try and do it before the price fluctuates too much. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just not... What's it do for you? It doesn't do anything. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like... It's already happened. You've already taken those bad scores. So, and then suddenly the he's only going to drop an extra fifty thousand or something. Like it just doesn't make sense for me to trade these guys when they drop already two or three times. Yeah, no, fair so enough. I just hold on to them and I build the team around them. Yeah. So uh, Dunkley's a perfect example. Okay, totally. I'd rather hold Dunkley 
and push him down to F6 for the year, knowing that he's capable of going on a month run of 130s, yep. Yep. You know, then trade him at, like, after losing 150,000 on him to a guy that's already gone on his run. Yeah. At no, the other end of the scale, Rids, uh, a, a cow like Bolter, who's uh, not put up the sort of scores we might have hoped, mm. do you keep him or do you shoot him and turn him into someone else? Well, that's the problem is you don't... Why Why anyone's focusing on Bolter, I would never know. Like, because the fact of the matter is he should never be on your field. No. No, no, not so as a non-field option, but in terms of a... Cash generation. A, as a cash generation option who's not making that cash that you hoped he would. Yep. But see, what they do in a case, they're... Like, and again, I'm I'm not sure whether I picked up the question correctly or not, but they're bringing in a Clark or an O'Brien as the R3. Yeah. So aren't they going to be pushing the DPP guy to F8? That would be the thought, yes. Yeah. So they'll go Setterfield down to, like, O'Brien and stuff. So aren't you only just weakening another line? Well, yes. You, you're and if you've got Bolter at F8, then you're moving him to F7. So if you're going to then spend the money on pushing the F7 up, you've got the same impact at the F8 still, don't you? Yeah, no, fair enough. It's an interesting thing. To you kind see of what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. got to be done as the team. Like it does. It, if you're getting a Parker off the field, okay, and you're picking up those points from a Parker who you think is shot, you know, to someone else, then by all means do that. Yeah. that that's not a problem at all. But. I'm, I'm just not sure why you'd keep, you know, worrying about an F8 that where you're not going to put him on the ground anyway and you're going to replace him with someone who's not playing. Yep, no, I understand exactly what you're saying. Uh, a good friend Mal wants to know, lads, uh, from this Thursday, uh, we have 10 of the next 11 days where we pretty much have non-stop footy. Uh, there will be teams getting announced, rolling throughout there, multiple partial lockouts for AFL Fantasy the Dream Team and Super Coaches, you've got a rolling lockout every single game, which is fantastic. Could it be a nightmare trading? I think, Mal, you're absolutely correct. This Thursday night, you've got your first partial lockout in AFL Fantasy. That's the format where I think coaches are going to get tripped up with Dream Team and Supercoach having the rolling lockouts. Thursday night is a partial lockout. Friday, the next partial lockout continues on with Good Friday. Then full lockout starts with the West Coast Eagles and the Port Adelaide game. Then you enter into round six because we've got the Monday good Easter Monday game. No footy on Tuesday. Then we roll straight into the pre-Anzac game with Richmond versus Melbourne. That'll be a partial lockout. I'd assume again, I'd have to double check, but I'd assume again Anzac Day would be another partial lockout in AFL Fantasy with the Anzac Day game and then the full lockout on the 26th. And then the games keep going through till the Sunday night when it's um, Geelong taking on West Coast Eagles at GMHBA Stadium. So the great news for footy lovers, I suppose, Jimmy, is there's a oh, crap load of footy coming our way. The thing that could trip more AFL fantasy coaches up than the other formats hmm. is you may find yourself getting locked out of a trade you want to make if you're not careful. Oh, that's it. It's worth keeping an eye on those timelines and what you've got to do and when you've got to do it. And who you want to trade Um, out and the emergencies. Yep, that's it. All of those sort of things. Um, And the other thing I guess to be mindful of is that uh, that Monday game, I don't think we have full teams before lockout hits. In AFL Fantasy, no. You'll be locked out before then. So something to bear in mind with that as well. Um, Yeah. All right, fair enough too. Uh, Shannon wants to know, Rids, he doesn't give me a, a format. I'm going to presuppose it's AFL Fantasy. I could be very wrong there, but I'm doing it anyway. Shannon wants to know, hey guys, he's looking at these trades. Uh, Ross 
and in via Butters and Williams out to Hoy. He's needing the cash the week following to upgrade Sheed. Now, again, I could be very wrong, Shannon, on the format, so apologies about that. It, more so than I think he's right in terms of upgrading Sheed, but Hoy and also Ross, talk to me, Rids, about kind of the job security that either of them may or may not have. Well, I don't understand why you'd have Williams in your team and then trade him against his most friendly matchup so yeah. far in the year. Like, he's got Fremantle at home this week, doesn't he? Yeah. So I don't understand that. Like, you've still got to score points. So surely, if Williams is your worst defender to go down to Hall, like, I mean, by all means, do it. But why wouldn't you use that trade to get, like, a Clark down to Hall and then next week you can go a Williams down to whatever and then go up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just don't understand why you trade Williams this week. Yeah. The other thing, too, that uh, I put just a little question mark on, and not to get uh, Fox too excited listening at home here. Here we go. Is, um, is Sheed a, a sneaky chance to get forward status in AFL Fantasy coming up? He has to be. I think the only thing that may count against him is rounds one and two he was exclusively mid hmm. that may be the only thing that counts against him but if it's not, not for round three and four no i don't know but if round hmm. three four and five is yeah. enough data for champion data and afl fantasy to go he's a forward yep then game on hmm. but, it, yeah, but it, what happened in round three four and five gaff, that pushed gaff. him forward gaff, andrew gaff coming back gaff 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 so i mean he's only gone on that run while gaff was out of the team yeah and he'd need so to see it. Data, they've always said that it's always, you know what I mean? They've, if it's got to be a change of position or something like that, but they've always said that it's going to be influenced by the personnel. So mm. yeah. I just don't see how he doesn't get it. Because, like, what was it? Like last week, the weekend before, he kicked three goals to actually get to 90. Collingwood, yeah. You know? So I just, yeah, he's been playing predominantly forward the last two weeks. I reckon Jimmy's on the money. I reckon he gets forward status in mm-hmm. AFL Fantasy. I mean, it could be interesting if that's the format, mate, that you're uh, you're talking about, Shannon. Then maybe you might want to just uh, consider holding because he could be a, a handy forward option for you. Stephen wants to know a question for you, Rids. Again, it's a pretty similar question about job security for cash cows. Uh, do either Rotham or Lockhart um, have any job security or are there other cash cows coming through the back line that may present themselves over the next week or two in AFL Fantasy? Yeah, so no, they don't. Like, they don't have any job security at all. What about a Sydney Stack, who I think probably picks up defensive status in AFL Fantasy? Is is he someone well, he to go may, after? He may pick it up, but right. again, like, I mean, it's hard to tell, you know what I mean? Like, Brandon Ellis has come into form, Hooley returns this week, yep. and Shane Edwards has been playing half back. Yeah. So so Sydney Stack is one poor game away from having no job security at all. Yep. And I know that Jaden Short being injured helps him in that. Sure. But I mean they're already talking about Jack Rewalt coming back this week, Dusty Martin coming back. Cochin probably oh. the week after, yeah. Well, Cochin in two weeks, I no, think it is, because the Melbourne games well. Yeah. Yeah, the Melbourne games on that. Friday or um, that game before Anzac Day, isn't it? Yeah, so, it is. So Cotton will be back the game after that. So I just don't see how that happens. You know what I mean? Is that the and same with Ross too in terms of his job security? Ross is slightly different because I think Ross plays that inside mid role and did so well that hmm. he may end up pushing a guy like an Edwards 
to the half-back line yeah, rather than having the midfield rotations. Sure. Like, pushing... Um, who was in there? Jack Graham out Jack to Graham a wing or... Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. The other thing too with uh, especially those Tiger rookies um, mm. and, and you could look at Melbourne as well is because they have got that game on the Wednesday, it's a very short turnaround from this weekend coming. Sure. So those kids especially, uh, if they're feeling a bit sore after this weekend, are very likely to get rested for that Anzac yeah. Day game and, and then they've got to fight their way back in again. Yeah, no, it's and a Sydney Stack is the type of player that will sit underneath a high ball and get smashed five times. <laughs> uh, he gets a bruise with every possession. That's um Yeah, he's I love yeah. him to death. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I just cannot I can't hmm. like I can't justify his job security. I just don't know. Like Yep, no, fair enough, too. Um, I, I get that. Uh, Matthew Dennis wants to know, Jimmy, it's an AFL fantasy question. Uh, Trelaw, he's got the Adams effect where his scores are starting to suffer. Should he trade Trelaw down to a Liberatore and then turn a Setterfield up to a Heaney, which would make his forward line of Danger, Kelly, Heaney, Warpole, Myers and Drew, uh, with, uh, he's given me the rucks, uh, with Gorn and Lysette, <laughs> plan to get Grundy this week until the Setterfield drama. Is that the structure he should be going? Should he be taking Trelaw down to a Libba and getting the cash to turn Setterfield or a, a Lysette up to a premium? Or should he be keeping the faith with Trelaw a little bit more in fantasy? Oh, look, anything goes in fantasy, doesn't it? Um, yeah, but look, that um, that forward line, um, we've talked about the round 13 mm. enough, but that's something to be mindful of there. I think, sure. Um, with the players he's listed, but um, yeah, look, as we said, we've, you've got to get creative in making money yeah. in the salary formats this year, whether um, dropping a, a genuine top option down to a mid-pricer, um, yeah, it, why not? It's an option. It's an option. And again, it's what we talked yeah. about earlier, is if yeah. you're looking at ways to generate cash and in your side and someone like a Tom Liriblatore in oil formats at the moment, he's averaging yeah. over 100, he's going to keep making you cash as long as he's doing that. Yep. Yeah, maybe not the craziest thing no. to consider that's through it. that. If that the other like, thing, though, yeah. mm. the other thing with Trelaw was Beams was out last week. Correct. So I don't know if it's the Adams factor or just the poor game that... Fantasy game, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah. sometimes we do. How unlike the fantasy community for us to maybe jump at shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, we've never done that before, um, considering that uh, Trelaw got a 98 the week before in AFL fantasy, and then I think he had two big 130-plus scores. 150. 150 and <laughs> around two. Three weeks ago, yeah. when people were saying, oh, my God, he's the number one target in trade, you know, trade him in, trade him in, and then suddenly it's like two weeks later, I'll trade him out, trade him out. We're very reactionary. No, we're no. We? How <laughs> dare you say that, blasphemy? We are not. Uh, a second last question, we'll throw it over to you, Rids. Uh, Matthew Dennis wants to know again, a lot of AFL fantasy questions on the podcast. I suppose that's balancing out all the talk we did earlier for Supercoach. Uh, he's mm-hmm. thinking, uh, what are your thoughts, mate, on a Caleb Daniel, just the 1% ownership, averaging over 90 and as a break-even of 67? What's the chances... One, I think he picks up defensive status this yeah, week in AFL fantasy. If you didn't. But is he a, a genuine option to run through over the next six to eight weeks, given that break-even and low ownership numbers? Yeah, why not? Yeah, oh, gosh. Uh, we're at that point well, on the podcast, aren't we? Mate, he's a forward defender like after next week. If he doesn't get DPP status, it's the greatest injustice since UF didn't give 
EBIT forward. <laughs> so a, a week and a half of injustice. A week and a half ago. But a week and a half ago is a massive long time in fantasy football because we say, couldn't remember Trelaw scored 150. Yeah, that's very true. I was going to say it's the biggest injustice since uh, UF gave Caleb Daniel mid-status so that he can't yeah, get defence status this year. That's How true. crazy is that? Oh, he, he hasn't trained in the midfield all year. He's like pre-season. He trained back. He trained back. It was the worst-kept secret in the world. And then the UF goes, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to give him mid-status at the start of the year, so he can't get defensive status. Poor Caleb Daniel. Oh, geez, that's a baddie. I'm just starting hey, to wind um, you up. Just a quick one. Yes. Is there any reason why one of these comps can't say, you know what, we made a mistake, let's roll that decision back and give him the correct status? Well, if it means taking away the irrelevant status, which for Caleb Daniel would be centre, and adding the relevant status being backline, then probably it'd be okay. Uh, I wouldn't be uh, opposed to that. Last question on the podcast before we keep moving on. Uh, a real dream team question. There you go, Jimmy. We'll throw hey. this one over to you. Uh, in which order would you move the following backline players on? Mm-hmm. Williams, Hanley, Ridley, and Smith. What's the order of priority? Go one being the trade priority out. Not saying you should do it this week or the week after. He just wants to know what's the trade priority of Ridley from Essendon, Smith from Adelaide, Williams from GWS, and Hanley from Gold Coast. Uh, number one, give me a number one out move. Oh, look, yeah, I'm just pulling names out of the air at this point. I don't think there's an immediate need. On any four of on, them? On any of the four. Um, but but as with all things, it's what are we doing with them? Sure. You know, what what is the what, what's the objective here? Are, are um, you going down? Are you going up? What are that, you doing? That's it. Are you trying to make some cash? Are you trying to improve your on on field score immediately? Are you looking to to bank some points for later on, or bank some cash for later on? You know, are, are you doing something with a, a dual position switch? I don't know. Sure. Um, but look, of the of the lot, I think we touched on Williams before. He's got a good fixture yeah. coming up. Um, Smith. We've talked about the Crows that's fixture. Exactly right. Um, now Hanley started to show some some reasonable signs in the, yeah. the last couple of weeks, and um, it was the other one, Ridley. Ridley. So he would be the one by kind of kind of by by, by elimination, I, I guess. Yeah, why not? All right, yeah, enough. trade Ridley. He'll do. All right, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, boys, uh, appreciate your work on this episode. Uh, thank you very much, Rids. Did we hit the hour, mate? Oh, mate, we're well past the hour, buddy. Don't you worry about that. Well, there you go. We've kept it up. Happy days, uh, and of course, you'll be a pleasure, man. Pleasure as always. Thank you. Uh, if you're enjoying these podcasts uh, and you're subscribing via Apple iTunes, we'd love you to give a five-star rating and review. Of course, if you're choosing to get this via Spotify, make sure you're subscribing there, following this channel. So every single podcast that comes your way, you get notified of it straight away on your device. Plenty of content coming right throughout this week at coachespanel.tv. And in fact, if you check out on YouTube uh, sometime late on a Wednesday evening, a video talking about some of the new potential dual position players that could be landing at the end of round five in AFL Fantasy. Look, plenty of games of footy coming up over the next two weeks. It's going to be fantastic to watch. And we hope for you, all your uniques fire. Your captain absolutely nails it. And the rookie roulette goes your way. 